message is from Family Worship Center. This message will not only build your life, but will make you experience the transforming love of God. Open up your heart and be blessed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, we are continuing our message, God is counting on you. God is counting on you. Today is God is counting on you, part three. Looking at the fact that God is counting on you and I to reach out to the unsaved and to get them saved. Praise the Lord. And we're going to continue looking at the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, how he related with people in order to draw them unto salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for waking us up. Thank you for the blessing of being in your house. Father, I thank you for your word always brings light. I pray that your word will bring light this morning. Lord, and that light will take it out there and will shine it into darkness. And darkness will be overcome in the name of Jesus. I pray that the word will come by your spirit and to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I will start reading from verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees have heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who said to you, Give me a drink, you will have asked him and he will have given you living water. Hallelujah. Amen. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I shall give him, he will never thirst. Hallelujah. But the water that I shall give him will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceived that you are a prophet. I will jump to verse 24. The woman said to him, I know, that the, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. 
At this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come and see, oh, come and see, come and see, come and see. Come and see the man that told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out to the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. He said to them, I have food to eat in which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish it. I will jump again to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans in that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Praise the Lord. If you look at this story of Jesus and the woman by the well, one interesting thing that I saw even at the beginning, if you look at verse 3, of the story, it says that he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So you will assume that the next thing you are going to see was that the Bible will start talking about Galilee, isn't it? Since he left Judea to go to Galilee. So we should read verse 4, she'll be saying, when he arrived in Galilee. But that was not the case. Now jump and look at verse 43. Look at verse 43. It says, now, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. Uh, verse 3 said he left to go to Galilee. And then 40 verses after, it now says that two days later, he departed there and went to Galilee. That means for 40 verses, the man has not reached Galilee. When the Bible said in verse 3 that he left to go to Galilee, the implication here is that he, he never reached until verse 43. So something important made him not to reach Galilee until verse 43. Something very critical, something paramount made him not to reach. I mean, by the time you start reaching, you say, okay, they cannot be now. I go with the market and you start going. And then by six o'clock, you just call him. Dickin, I just reach Busse Market. What do you think he will say? He will say something very important, something more urgent than Busse Market. May have distracted him and made him not reach Busse Market until six. So what was it that made Jesus not to go, not to get to Galilee when he had set out to reach Galilee that same day? What was it? Whatever it was, it was important. Whatever it was, it was more urgent than Galilee. Whatever it was, it became his new priority over Galilee. Praise the Lord. In other words, Galilee was suspended. Galilee was set aside. Galilee was delayed. Galilee was postponed. Galilee became number two on the scale of preference. Now look at verse 4. The Bible says in verse 4 that he needed 
to go to Samaria. Not he wanted. He needed. And so Samaria became a necessity for him. It was a necessity for him. He needed to go through Samaria. And I can imagine that while he said that he was going to Galilee, they had already planned. Plans have been concluded for him going to Galilee. He was going to come into Galilee, and there will be a big crusade in Galilee. And so people were waiting for him and expecting him to come to Galilee. I can imagine that Peter had called his uncle, who had known him as a frustrated fisherman, and has been laughing at him that this man, out of frustration, has been following a man called Jesus Christ. I don't even know what we are doing. Peter had called his uncle in Galilee and told him, we are coming to Galilee, uncle. And we are going to, what is that word they use when preachers? We are going to storm Galilee. And because we are coming, uh, it's not like when John the Baptist came, this one we are coming with the master, the number of angels that will descend on Galilee. Uncle, oh, you will, you will see what you have never seen. So Peter had boasted to his uncle that they are coming to Galilee. I can imagine that Bartholomew had called the man that was owing him that he has been running away from and told him that we are storming Galilee. We are coming upon Galilee. And I tell you, when we come, it doesn't matter. Uncle, your business, my master will say one word, and your whole life will turn away. The master that was supposed to travel to Abriba to go and bring business, uh, things for his business, postponed his journey and had planned and arranged that he was going to wait. Jesus was coming to Galilee that day. I can imagine that James had called his old friend, who, had, who is now a big man and has always been coming to James. James, leave that following Jesus and come to the other side. And come and enjoy life. James wanted to prove to him that yes, he was coming to town. I can imagine that Andrew had called his former girlfriend that he left because he followed Jesus. And she couldn't understand. How can you leave me because you are following a man called Jesus? What is that all about? He told her, babe, we are storming Galilee. (laughs) And we are coming in style. And guess what? As we are alive in Galilee... You just don't know what is going to happen as we come over Galilee. In fact, when you look to the east and you see any dust coming, know that we are the ones coming. Because of the number of crowd that we're going to enter into Galilee with. Guess what? Babe, we are storming into Galilee and this thing I have been following, you will see it. And you will understand why I've been following him. So all these boastings they have made to the people in Galilee and Jesus... Delayed two more days. I can imagine that a little committee had been put together for Galilee International Crusade. <laughs> Brother Ephaphroditus, the chairman, has been working overnight tirelessly. Sister Mary, who is the treasurer, has also been working. Uh, uh, Judas Iscariot, a member of the team who was keeping the post and making sure all the budget is done well. And then John, who was the secretary of the committee, they have booked this conference center that has caused millions of shekels of silver, and they have paid for the place. And you have to pay ahead, and they have paid ahead for two days. They have sold spaces for vendors. Vendors have come and bought places for food, different things that they will be selling at the center. And they had paid for two days in that place. Guess what? Uh, okay, Chukuda has come from uh, Isa Alangwa East. He has come to town. 
and he has, he has sold his last chicken, and he came with his last money and paid for uh, uh, Haruna uh, Hotel in Area 1. Only two days he paid for, and that was all he had. And then his gari and kulikuli that he'll be taking for the next two days. He has come. Guess what? For that big thing that is going to come. Babajide has come from Yanapaja in Lagos. He has come, and he has decided to stay under the bridge. That man in Lagos, they are used to doing that. And so he stayed under the bridge, and he has arranged his wife, arranged food for him for two days inside his Bako super sack. And he has come and has kept his Bako super sack under the bridge. And he has enough food that will last him only two days. Mr. Whitehall has come from Portacourt. This one is well-to-do. So he had booked Hilton Hotel for two days, his last money, so that he would give his family a treat. He also brought them and booked the executive suit at the Hilton. And guess what? He has paid for two days. And they were all waiting for Jesus to arrive. And two hours, five hours, ten hours, one day, Jesus has not arrived. Something more paramount than Ikechuko's chicken that he saw. Something more important than the committee that were working overnight tirelessly to plan this crusade. Something more important than the boastings of his disciples had come up and had delayed him two more days. What could that thing be? I wish I have one fantastic name of one big angel to tell you is the reason why. There was only one reason. A human being. Not human beings, a human being. And to even spoil the matter small, not just any human being, a sinner. A sinner, a woman that has wrecked families, has lived a reckless life, had always made jests of people going to church, had blasphemed against God had made nonsense of men, a sinner. And you will wish he's even a dignified sinner. This woman was a Samaritan. A Samaritan. You need to understand that Samaritans at that time, especially at that time, were regarded half-breed Jews. They were half-breed Jews. When Israel was, uh, when Israel was, uh, when they were, um, no. When they were taken into captivity, thank you. When they were taken into captivity, after they returned, some of them intermarried with the people in the place where they were taken into captivity, Assyria and the rest. And so they started giving birth to children and people that were regarded half-breed Jews. So they were regarded adulterated Jews. They were regarded an abomination. To the Jews, they so hated them to the point that when a Jew is walking and sees a Samaritan walking, he will look the other way or pass the other road and goes, Tweh! just to show the disdain. They were, as it were, worthless people. In fact, they were not qualified to enter the temple to the point where they decided to create their own place of worship on the mountains, the Samaritans. So it's one thing to be a Samaritan. It's totally another thing to be a sinner Samaritan. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this was the woman that Jesus went to Samaria for. He needed. So as you are sitting here this morning, I wonder how many things it is that you have in your head that you need to do. Is there any Samaritan, any sinner there in your budget of needs? Why did, how can this woman cause such a drastic detour to the Lord's plans? How can she change his entire itinerary? How could she have delayed him that long? One word. V-A-L-U-E. Value. As much as her description sounds like she was worthless, Jesus regarded her a woman of value. So I say this. Sin does not reduce the value of a soul. It only makes it lost. Sin does not reduce the value of a soul. It only makes it lost. An unbeliever has, does not have more value than a believer in that sense. I, I, so I don't scatter your theology. Let me say these three things to prove that to you. Luke 15.8 talks about the woman with the ten coins. The Bible says that in Luke chapter 15 verse 8, if you can put it up, that she lost one. It said, does she not light a lamp? And sweep the whole house to search carefully until she finds it. While that coin was lost, did it have less value than the ones that were not lost? Even though it was lost, even though it was of no use, even though it was useless to her at that point, even though it didn't add anything to her as the owner, just like a non-believer does not add anything to God as the owner, yet... It had the same value. You have misplaced money sometimes. As much as that money is misplaced or lost, does not mean that it doesn't have value. In fact, it may be thrown away and burned. Even while it was being burned, it still had its value. <laughs> the prodigal son, while he was away, eating pig's food wallowing in sin, he was as still as valuable as the elder brother. Still as valuable. Certain I want to say to break this point is the fact that the value of a soul is seen in the price paid for it. What is the price for salvation? The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, <laughs> Jesus counted the cost. Jesus valued us. While we were yet sinners, the price paid for salvation is life also. But guess what? The life of God. That is the price paid for the salvation of a soul. And so souls, lost souls, still have value because of the price paid for their salvation. How can a shepherd leave 99 and go after one to search for it? Do you know what he goes through to search for that one? It may be Hamatan time. It may be midnight at 1 a.m. That animal may be on the mountain. There may be snakes. There may be all kinds of wild animals. 
Still, he sacrifices all that to go after that animal, one that is lost. It has value. And so as you come across the unsaved, I want you to remember something. They have value. The value may not come out. The value may not be displayed or seen. The value may not yet have been activated, but it's there. And God regards that value. Let's do also a little more closely as to why Jesus did what he did. How, was this, how important was this woman? She was important enough, number one, to change his schedule and program. You know what? To be like Jesus, to be effective, to do this thing very well, from time to time you will come across the unsaved and unbelievers. You may be driving to go somewhere. You may be walking to go for a meeting somewhere. You may be walking to go and see somebody. You may have planned your day without them in your plan. When you come across them and you realize that this one needs salvation, they are valuable enough to change your program and your schedule, to delay your programs, to suspend your programs, to inconvenience you, and if it comes down to it, to incur extra expenses. That was how valuable this woman was. How valuable was she? She was valuable enough for him to lay aside his own issues and problems and struggles and take care of her need for salvation. Look at verse 8. Verse 6. The Bible says Jesus arriving at the well, he was weary from his journey. Guess what he did? <laughs> he set that aside. He set that aside. He forgot about the, the, the burden he was carrying. He forgot about his rent, if it applies to him. Forgot about his landlord that he needs to pay. Forgot about the school fees that he needs to pay. He forgot about the fact that he needs to get to that meeting. He forgot the fact that he has problems too. Because sometimes what we say to ourselves is, I never take care of myself, finish. He was wearied, yet he forgot about his own troubles. And said, this need for salvation is priority. Therefore, I rise above my own needs and I attend to her own need. That is what it will take. And that was what Jesus did. He didn't even eat the food at the end of the day. Do you realize that? No, he didn't. Why? He had found something more satisfying than food. The hymn that we sang today said that the telling the old story fulfills my longing more than any other thing would. He found satisfaction. He found delight. He found joy. He was too full. He was excited about meeting this woman and the possibilities of what this woman was going to become that he didn't regard food again. He didn't regard food again. The satisfaction of seeing the woman saved took away the hunger. How important was she? She was important enough for him to treat her as a VIP. Jesus sent his disciples away. If it was food, he sent them for. See, when they brought the food, he will eat. 
Jesus wanted private time with this woman, VIP. That's how important she was. So. Private time. So he sent them away. Remember, they just finished trying to shut up blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> These people that you see. <laughs> Remember, they just tried to send the children away. Go, 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 go. You are coming to the master with your dirty bodies. Go, 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 go. Jesus tried to do that. Jesus said, hey, if they can do that to this blind man, do to the children. <laughs> this sinner Samaritan. <laughs> I can imagine that they will start stoning her from one mile away. So he said, you know what? <laughs> Where could I go find food? <laughs> Andrew, the secretary, has developed one document. Document of seeing our master. You have to feel it. And there are a range of questions that you have to fill before they decide whether you can see Jesus or not. He was aware of all that. And they have questions such as, are you from the lineage of a priest? How pure Jewish is your family? And Judas Iscariot made sure they included the question that says, how much have you invested in the master's business? That document was there. And they were going to subject everybody through it. Jesus said, go, go. I know you like suya. Go and buy. Go and buy suya. And so they went, and he was alone with her. How many people get that privilege at the time of Jesus? Alone with him. And guess what? To show you how important this woman was, he sat down at the well and waited for her. He's, he stayed there and waited for her. Hungry, he waited for her. Weary, he waited for her. Thirsty, he waited for her. The king of all kings, master of the universe, the one who was on his, sat down there waiting for this woman. Hmm. Waiting for her. I don't know about you, but as you look at the unsaved, what do you see? How much do you inconvenience yourself? How much do you change their, your program? How, how important is their salvation to the fact that you can forget your own things and say to yourself, until this one is saved, I will not rest. I will not rest. That is why we said last week that you cannot live a life isolated from unbelievers. Some Christians, for some of us, we are too holy, lest they defile us. When we talk to them, they defile us. As, they, as we are talking, when they say something, it will enter us, and we just get defiled. <laughs> so we stay away. On that your street, around your compound, you don't talk to them. You know that that sister goes to night club every night. So every time she's coming, you carry your holy face and give her your back. And they know you on that street as a holy brother. Even the way you walk on the street, those shows that you are holy and your mind is in heaven. And you have no business with them. If they like, they should kill themselves. The Lord has said before them, life and death. 
They are adults. They still choose. You are living your life. And they know you from 10 miles away. Every morning they hear your praise and worship. So everybody in the neighborhood knows that you are a loaded brother. The walls of your house have cracks all over because of the tongues that you are releasing every morning. But until you relate with them, until you befriend them, until you draw them close, until you reach out to them, until you engage them in a discussion, that was what Jesus did. That was what Jesus did. And what did he do? The first thing he did was to find a common ground. What do we share? What is it that both of us have interest in? Let me tell you, every person you meet, there is something that you have in common with them. There is something. Nothing that you are holy. No, you go to church, you pray, you read your Bible. In fact, even you go to a holy market, you don't go to the general market in Abuja. There is something. There is something. There is something. Perhaps they like sports. Maybe they like cars. Maybe they are tired of this Nigeria. I want to say, can you imagine what I heard about these senators yesterday? Can you imagine what the military did in one village? Ah, if he's from the east, these people have come to the east. Oh. Did you hear what happened yesterday? What are we going to do about this thing? Everybody. And Jesus identified with her. Did you not notice that? She needed water. He also told her that he needed. It's not as if I'm different from you. I am like you. I am like you. We all have the same needs. I tell care group leaders that when you are inviting people to care group, you don't have to necessarily tell them, come to care group or come to church or come to prayer. Just start with something like, have you realized that there is so, so much trouble in this country? There is so much evil. Somebody doesn't like you who just send you, send you jazz. And before you know it, you are in trouble. It, the, the society is so demonic. And things are hard. That's why we have decided in the neighborhood, a few of us, we meet every Thursday to just ask God to help us. We just come together, a few of us in this neighborhood, to just pray. And so we commit Brother Ikechiku's business, we commit Babaji's uh, job, we commit Mama Chika's uh, frying of Akara, we commit the children of our neighbors. You know, children are growing now in a very difficult society. We pray for our children and our families, you know, so that God will help us. If you don't mind, you can join us on Thursday so that we'll just pray and God will help us because the only help we have is God. So you don't tell him that you need anything, come and get saved, or you are a sinner, you need to be, mm-mm. You need it, I need it, we all need it. Let's just come together, all of us. And you notice also that Jesus didn't condemn her. She have just come to her and said, Woman, oh, I can see. Shuba, you have five husbands. And the less your husband that you have uh, is um, uh, is very tall, and the other one that you have is very short and has a pot belly. And the other husband that you have is um, 
You know we like it. When people tell us, we want to go to places where they will tell you something about your life. If that is the way, Jesus will have done it now. And you know, if he tells her about her entire life that way, but he didn't start from there. Give me water. Give me water. And you know what that said to her? He said that, I need help from you. <laughs> it sounded like he needed help from her. Not that she was the one that needed help. She would be comfortable now. And probably when she was coming, she was thinking, this may be number seven. <laughs> he looks tall. He looks handsome, long hair. And he looks like a pure Jew. <laughs> and she was calculating and arranging. And when they give me water, you know how a woman will smile in her heart, but on her face, there is no smile. She's glad you say hi, baby. In her heart, oh, but on the face, she's trying to foam. And so Jesus broke every stereotype. We have to do away stereotypes, typecasts, labels, pigeonholes, categorizations. No wonder she said, if you being a Jew, there are some of them, when you talk to them, they'll actually be shocked. How can you, who is aware of the kind of life I live, invite me for this gathering? How can you, who is up, up, up there, give me a lift in your car? How can you, whom I used to hate and make trouble with in this office, be concerned about my life? How can you? And so she was surprised. And you know, to tell you really that Jesus was right, the value of a thing can also be seen in the profit it brings or the returns. What was the returns that this woman brought in? Instantly. Instantly, this woman became an evangelist. One human being brought the entire city to Jesus. You have no idea the potential that troublesome person has in the kingdom of God. Paul was a hired assassin. When eventually Paul was converted, he achieved much more than the people that were interceding for him to be saved. <laughs> you have no idea. And if you're here, sitting here today, and probably you are unsaved, you have no idea what God can do with you. <laughs> you have no idea that the help from, for your family, the salvation of your village, the, the freedom of your loved ones is hanging on you. God can do that. The people that prayed for Paul to be saved, he achieved much more than them. You can achieve more than me even though you will be saved just today. That is all possible. And you know, finally, she, she said to her, if you know the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, you will have asked me and I will have given you living water. Do we really know the gift of God? 
He's talking about salvation. If you know what salvation can do in the life of a man, ah, one prayer will stop the wife beating, will stop the house help molestation, will stop the bribery and corruption, will stop the tension in the house, will stop the sickness and disease, one prayer. If you knew the gift of God and what it can do in the life of a man, I remember Dikinetti's testimony here. He was a cocaine addict. Much more than that, he was a cocaine, he was a baron, he was a capo in cocaine and heroin in Abuja. When you bring cocaine to Abuja, he first will test the thing and certify it before it goes into Abuja market. One prayer, when he came here and prayed that prayer, everything changed. Today he serves as a deacon. If you know the gift of God and what it can do in the life of a man, you will not pray, you will not play with the salvation of men. You will not delay. If you live here, all those people start following them up. And if you are here this morning and you are not saved, you have no idea <laughs> what this gift of God will do in your life. If only you can hand over your life to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed, we are praying. I want you to pray for yourself. Lord, may I see the way you see? May I see the way you see? Help me to reprioritize my life. Help me to sacrifice for the unsaved. Help me to carry the burden of the unsaved. Help me to reach out to the unsaved. Let me see beyond what presents. Let me see beyond what, they, what presents. Father, show me their potential. Lord, let me see beyond what the physical presents. Give me eyes that see. Give me eyes that see. Pray that Lord will give you eyes that see. Let him give you that heart, that heart of compassion. Pray that he will give you that heart of compassion. That heart of compassion. I want to take this time to pray for some of us. You may be here this morning. You didn't come here by mistake. God has seen your heart. And like this woman, he is not condemning you this morning. He longs for you. God longs for you. He wants to give you love that is true. True love. You may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I need the love of God. I want to take this time to pray for you. That he will receive his love and that he will receive you and his love will enter your heart. I also want to pray for some people. You may be here this morning and you know that you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that you don't have Christ in your life. You say, Pastor, I want to hand over my life to God. I want to receive Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I want to change my life. I am going to pray for you. You may also be here this morning. And you are overwhelmed with the issues of life. You are overwhelmed with the issues of life in your work, in your business, in your family. And you say that you need God to intervene in your life. I want to take time to pray for you. You may also be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I need a change. I want my life to change. I am tired of the way my life is. I want to take a new direction. I don't want to help myself. I want God to help me from today. I will pray for you. If you are here this morning and you need that prayer... Please just put up your hand wherever you are seated and I'll pray for you. 
Just put up your hand wherever you are seated and I'll pray for you. Quickly, say, Pastor, I need that prayer. I want you to pray for me. Thank you very much. I see that hand. My brother, I see your hand. My sister here, I see your hand. God bless you. Just put up your hand up on the balcony. God bless you. People are putting up their hand. I see your hand on the balcony. God bless you. Any other person? Put up your hand. People are putting up their hands. You want a change. I see your hand way back. God bless you. Please put up your hand. Say, I need a change in my life. My life cannot continue the way it is. It cannot continue the way it is. I need a change. You say, Pastor, I need God to intervene concerning my issues. I want to pray and break the power of Satan off of your life. Please put up your hand wherever you are seated. And let's pray together. I'm about to start praying. Thank you for listening to this message. You will be blessed when you do the things that you have heard. You can make a brand new start in life by becoming a child of God. It's as easy as believing in your heart as you say the following prayer. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. Jesus, come into my heart today and be my Lord and Savior. I declare right now that I am born again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Congratulations if you just said that prayer. It is important that you join a Bible-believing church immediately so that you grow in knowing Christ. We would love to have you visit our church in Abuja, Nigeria. For more information about this ministry, you can visit our website at www.fwcabuja.org. God bless you. Family Worship Center. We care.